Hello and welcome to another Perusia podcast. And it's a special presentation as we are here now live with our guests. Uh, thank God things are opening up here in uh, Sydney and we are able to have guests uh, in the studio. And I'm excited with a good friend of mine and author of two books. And the first book he authored was this one, The Art of Practical Catholicism. Uh, the author is George Manasseh and he was, we launched this uh, last year um, with Perusia and it's available on our website. But we're not talking about this book today. I'm going to put this down. We're actually talking about a brand new book, this little booklet here. Um, and this is about altar serving, the service toolbox. And it's part of the founder of the Catholic Toolbox, George Manasseh, joins me uh, in the studio today. Hello, George. How are you going? I'm going well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, congratulations on another book. This is now the second book uh, published with us, and uh, we're very excited about it. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for look, taking it on, and uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, look, um, congratulations again. I mean, you've been uh, doing launches the Philippines, Malaysia, I'm noticing there's a bit of action there, Singapore, the United States. Um, so it is getting doing the rounds and uh, we're all in the middle of the pandemic. So while we're all <laughs> locked down, you've been obviously busy. You've launched um, the, the Art of Practical Catholicism, which has been, been great. It's a great book and I high, highly recommend everyone to get that. But uh, this one here, um, why, why a book on altar serving? What, what made you, what inspired you to do a book on this topic? Well, it all started when, after my reversion back to the faith in the year 2009, after we had about Tim Stables, after, uh, came to Australia and after World Youth Day, it was a very important time for the faith. There was a lot of fire going on in people's faith, mass reversions back to the faith and conversions. And after that, I studied my way back into the mm -hmm. Catholic faith. I learnt, um, I was in grade nine or year nine, as we say wow. here in Australia. I was in year nine and... Uh, I was studying the faith immensely. I was picking up fundamentals of Catholic dogma. I then took two courses at then Catholic Adult Education Centre. Uh, I was the youngest person there. I was uh, many people flunked school to go out to shopping malls and go out and do uh, silly things. I, I was a bit of a different kid, so I flunked school to go take <laughs> courses on my faith. And then after that, I then was uh, I wanted to set uh, set set foot on the journey to then take action with my faith. And that's something I struggled with at that time. I learnt my faith, but I didn't know how to put it into action in my prayer life um, and everything there else. It was then at my parish uh, that I, uh, I witnessed such great reverence from uh, a priest, a friend of mine, who would celebrate Mass through the utmost reverence. And that, that, that mm. laid the foundation for me to then start to ask questions about the mystery of the Mass further. And, and it allowed me to see the theology that I was studying about the Mass played out in the ritual. And then I then began looking at lit liturgy and, and the Mass and how it served. I love the solemnity of the Mass and, and the theology that it spoke. Uh, it spoke. So all the rituals and everything, it spoke a certain language to me. And then in about the year 2000 and late 2010, 2011, I then was complaining to a Franciscan friend of mine about, you know, the things that are going wrong in the liturgy. Oh, this could be done better in the sanctuary. Uh, this action could be carried out better. But You're comparing it to that, that priest. Uh, that priest that friend of mine, yeah. Yeah, because that was unusual, right? That would have been, uh, it wasn't common practice to have reverent liturgies around just in Sydney, Sydney um, generally speaking. Exactly. I mean, and a priest used the numerical digits uh, yeah, to... Right 
to hold the host and the reverence and and it, it gave a greater sense of what the theology was. Mm -hmm. And this was in the New Rider Mass, the 1969 Missal at my parish on, on a daily level. And I was complaining to that Francis Green. I said, oh, this could be done better. Why can't we fix this? And he stopped me there and said, George, why don't, instead of complaining, why don't you actually go and do something about it? Why don't you take action, get involved in serving, help to increase some reverence in the liturgy, show some example, and then that will make a difference. Instead of complaining here, do something about it. Wow, challenge was on. <laughs> so he challenged me there and I, uh, I took up the offer and uh, I, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, uh, if you want me to serve, um, I understand the theology of the Mass. I, I, would, I want to discern now, am I called to serve at the altar? I, I, I don't feel worthy to enter this sanctuary and walk around where the Blessed Sacrament is in the consecrated altar. So once you, again, once you study your faith, I, had that, I was happy with the foundation that I laid by studying my faith, mm. studying what the Mass was, and then progressing to uh, taking action uh, with serving. So I decided to start serving, and uh, in the context of the Roman Rite, I then decided to uh, learn how to serve in the Extraordinary Form first, because wow. uh, that was a natural progression of the Roman Rite, to understand spirituality of the Roman Rite, and and the Mass, I started serving in the Extraordinary Form. So I was trained by a priest from the Fraternity of St. Peter. I, by my third Mass serving, I knew the presence at the foot of the altar. And then after doing that for a year and a half, by the end of 2000 and early 2013, a friend of mine offered to train me now in the new rite of Mass, mm. bringing, uh, bringing the spirituality from the, the, the Extraordinary Form now to the Ordinary Form. And, and trying to harmonize the two. And that was at the time of Pope Benedict XVI. And uh, his call to reform the liturgy, reform the reform, and, and have both forms of the Roman. It's the same rite with two different forms, but carry them both harmoniously. And uh, I then started serving the ordinary form and the extraordinary form, um, yeah, both wow. there. Yeah. What was that like for you? Um, would, would you, you know, what was it like having both, serving at both? Um, did it uh, confuse things in some way, or was it just complementary? How did how, how was that experience? Look, I'd be lying if I said it was all complementary, but but you can see how the new writer mass picks up from the old writer mass, okay. and and there are things maybe the Second Vatican Council didn't actually intend mm -hmm. that were carried out on a sociological level. That again, there's room to to harmonise with the extraordinary form. So my experience was. Because uh, at my parish, we, 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 carry the, uh, we carry out the liturgy very reverently. There wasn't too much of a divide. But then when I went to different parishes, maybe who, who didn't have that great liturgical mm. understanding, there was a bit of a divide. Yeah. And, uh, but, but really, the, you can see how much room there is. If we want to increase reverence in the Novus Ordo liturgy, we can actually take from our heritage in the extraordinary form and that we can bring things uh, that where, there, where there are holes, where there are uh, places where you can substitute some prayers, uh, you can carry out certain styles of reverence, or let's say a priest even holding the numerical digits once he touches our Lord. You can bring those things in because it is the same right, and um, and have that same spiritual attitude uh, from the extra and from in the ordinary form. So, I mean, this booklet really was to address what I found most of the time in in your average parish life. Not, not so, usually the extraordinary form circles because okay. you often find there is a, culture, a strong culture of catechesis. 
in the extraordinary form. So this very much could help uh, somebody on the discernment level, but maybe the often 10 forgotten liturgical details often usually wouldn't apply to the extraordinary okay. form because these things are already done. But this okay. is for your average parish to, okay. to take some action with uh, the liturgy and extraordinary form in terms of discerning and a bit of the theology of the Mass. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, this is very timely as well because we want to, you know, Pope Francis has been quoted to say there has been some abuses in the new form, in the Novus Order, in, in his recent letter. And, and so he pointed on that, and I, I think there's an opportunity here to take him at his words and sort of let's go back and, and look at the new rite and see what can we, um, I guess, do better? What can we do a bit more reverently? What can we do according to what the rubrics say? And, and sometimes, have you found, it's been a little bit, um, sometimes I find a bit... Uh, bit of Russian roulette, you go to a different parish and, and every parish has a different expression of the new rite. And, um, and some might argue that it is um, the flavour of that local community. But but really, we're part of a universal church and, and sometimes there's certain things you just can't experiment with. And, but we're, we're finding this has been common right around the world. Um, so do you see um, the, these abuses or um, I think uh, in misinterpretations across the board in the new right? I would go so far as to, to categorise these uh, phenomena as ignorance. Just because ignorance. I think okay. just That's most fair. parishes just simply don't have that understanding. There is, mm. and, and I addressed it very briefly in many, many, um, in many of my other interviews uh, on this booklet, is that people jump and say, okay, well, what about altar girls? What about these things, what about those um, issues that we face inside the context of the liturgy? I think, first of all, we've got to step back and say, how catechized are people within the parish life, mm -hmm. within um, any liturgical context, to then be able to progress to those liturgical questions? Because most people, I think, just simply don't know. Most people are ignorant of what, what actually the Mass is, and that's why I really emphasise in this booklet for servers the theology of the Mass yeah, brilliant. as the foundation. If you don't know what the Mass is, there's a problem attending Mass and understanding and appreciating the Mass, let alone then stepping forward into the sanctuary, let alone carrying out any liturgical ministry. We have to catechise ourselves about what the Mass is. What is the Mass intrinsically? I mean, unambiguously as well. And the, the Mass intrinsically on a dogmatic level is the representation of the sacrifice on Calvary. It is the engagement with the heavenly worship uh, on a cosmological, ontological level. That's what the Mass is. All the saints are there in a different way than at your home when you're praying to them. They, through the ministry of the priest and giving that identity to the priest who uniquely offers the sacrifice to God on behalf of the people. And yes, he does have a unique identity. I think we do, without falling into clericalism and all these labels mm. now, which again, we may not know what they, what they actually mean when they say clerical, but really the priest does have a unique identity to offer the sacrifice of the Mass, to act on behalf of the people as a mediator between humanity and God. And, and we need to recognise that. And then we can progress to understand, okay, what are the liturgical ministries that stem from the priest's work, okay. such as the diaconate, the subdiaconate in the extraordinary form. Now the servers, uh, if you're a master of ceremonies, an acolyte, um, a cross-bearer. This all speaks a theology. Again, okay. if you want to start from... A uh, from A before we go to C, uh, most people don't know what the Mass is to start with. Okay. And then when we jump straight into the discussion about 
about the the actual liturgical ministries and and whether women could serve or not could serve. I think we really need to build a foundation first of what the mass is. That will solve the underlying problem. Excellent point, because uh, I think you're right. We're turning up at, at mass, most cases on Sunday, people are going, and they're just basically observing. Yep. Uh, and we're sort of looking at the mass as if, you know, just like going to a, a theatre or a show, or we watch and let, let the people up on the stage uh, basically perform. And, and unfortunately, there's no real entering into the mass or understanding it so can we go step back now and talk about you, you do address the theology of the mass you've touched on it already but could you just maybe expand what do you mean by theology of the mass the theology of the mass is simply the dogmatic definition of what the mass is okay the the theological reality of of what spirit of the spiritual work that's happening at the mass mm -hmm. the mass is the operatio day the work of god carried out through the liturgical rites and through that, through the exercise of those rituals, the spe specified rituals, through the authority of the church, because the, pre uh, the church has a priestly, prophetic and kingly authority, mm -hmm. the kingly authority given by Christ to his church allows the church to govern on earth in an earthly sense. The church can codify rituals that then bring about a spiritual phenomena that happens. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, in confession, I, I mentioned to people that the priest must use the formula, otherwise it's an invalid confession. And the church has that authority to give us, it's, it's that quality assurance that when you exercise those mm -hmm. rituals, you get whatever the spiritual reality is behind it or the grace behind it. The mass, if we exercise whatever codified right the church has approved and stamped on, you will get the holy sacrifice of the mass, that participation in heaven, and you will get through the ministry of the priest the, the bone blood of our Lord Jesus Christ offered to God for the remission of our sins. It's that work that Christ carried out being re-exercised. I mean, that's the beauty of the ritual. People often look at ritual as something dead, something which is just uh, another bunch of rules yeah. and motions. But, and I initially, when I wasn't catechized enough about the Mass at that point, I saw it as a bunch of emotions. You know, why can't we just loosen up here, you know, just... Yeah. Uh, allow the mass to just carry itself out in any way but really it's that ritual that guarantees that the priest dies the servers die and it doesn't become any more about them the focus is not anymore about the, the people in the sanctuary so much so that i even like to mention this that if if the priest were to drop dead during the canon of the mass they take him to hospital pick up another priest could vest pick back up and carry out the mass that's how much there's centrality uh, on Jesus, the work of Jesus Christ and not the individual. Yeah, that's a very good point. And it applies to servers so much. Mm. And so the theology of the Mass is just what the Mass is, which is representation of the sacrifice on Calvary. I go into um, what well, the Second Vatican Council in Sacrosanctum Concilium uh, defined it as. And uh, I go into three practical tools, again, just like with the Part of your toolbox. Theme. Yes. Part of, of the theme, three practical tools on uh, to live uh, our liturgy authentically in our everyday spiritual life. Um, and and uh, I give recommendations to take action and purify our, our understanding of what the Mass is to then proceed organically to the next section, which is, is being an altar server right for me. That's chapter, right. chapter two. Well, just to f uh, we'll wrap up this part um, in the distinction that at Mass, um, we're not just observing, as you say, and we're not just watching the people in the sanctuary as if it's some play or theatre. It is about Christ. The whole yeah. thing is about Christ. So much so, as you, that great example 
if a priest even dropped dead, another one could pick up and keep going. So it's not about the individual. We've seemed to have forgotten that, and that's probably yeah. You, you've you've touched on a point where um, the personality of every priest um, sometimes it does feel like a little bit of a performance, or or everyone's involvement. People feel in order to get involved at the mass, I need to be up there either reading or um, being uh, an acolyte, and all sorts of people become acolytes now, all ages. Uh, then there's um, involvement at you know the collections or welcoming people at the front. There's all these different roles, and we feel that we need to be up there next to Father. And, and if we're not up there, we're not participating. How do people in the lady in the pew attending mass? How is their participation? They're not just passively observing. How can you participate in the mass without necessarily being in the sanctuary? <laughs> what does that mean for the average person in the pew, how are you participating? Well, it goes back to Don Garanger um, in the, um, the the start of the whole liturgical movement, where there was a, a, a phrase saying this: uh, "Participatio actuosa." What is actual participation? There's, there's a distinction between participatio actuosa and a participatio activa, which mm -hmm. is an active physical participation in the logistics of the mass. Mm -hmm. Now, if you understand what the Mass is, I mean, uh, again, these discussions, many people come to the table who, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not trying to judge sure. anyone's faith, I hope I'm wrong, I always hope I'm wrong in, in, in judgments like this, but who don't understand to begin with sufficiently, they could have positions, um, kind of, any kind of position in the church, but they may not understand fully the theology of the Mass. To start and to come to this table of conversation about the ritual, now, the way as anybody, a lay person or anybody can participate better in Mass is to understand the theological, uh, what the theology of the Mass is by picking up resources such as from Perusia um, and anywhere else about the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and, and, and understanding what's actually going on at the Mass and being able not to be distracted and to know that when, when we say Sancto, 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 Holy, 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 the angels are actually around us. Mm, they're mm. actually there. We can't see them, but they're cosmologically, ontologically around the altar. And we're, we're actually engaging in that, in that liturgical worship in heaven. We get sort of like, a, a, we zap right into heaven at yes. that moment. We, we join that participation, that eternal participation in the mass. When you study these things of what's going on, the, the, um, the metaphysical the, meta, uh, the metaphysical um, uh, actions and phenomena that's g going on that we can't see at mass. So we the can't invisible see. world now. The invisible world. Yes. This is what really got me when I had my reversion back to the faith, is that, yes, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is the bread of one is transubstantiated, and that changes. And we're also participating with heaven as well. There's, there's angels around, there's saints around us. When the priest says... You know, uh, give us some share and fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs. Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, They're Cyprian, present. Lawrence, Chrysologus. He's talking to them. Mm, He's mm. actually talking to those saints. They're right in front of him. The Holy Trinity is in front of him. When we reflect on that, I mean, somebody who's served for over a decade, sometimes you just don't want to do anything in the same. You just want to participate. You take yeah. the easiest, less uh, logistical job, the less participatory uh, participatio activa uh, or, or active participa uh, participatory job 
and you just want to sit in the sanctuary, you just want to pray oh, yeah. wow. and participate in that reality. So for people who are sincere about growing in their spiritual life with, these, with our worship, the worship of the church, which is the holy sacrifice of the mass, and when, once you understand that foundation, you're not, and you fall in love with our Lord authentically, mm. you're trying to, to really, really genuinely love the Mass and love our Lord and grow in holiness. You don't, you don't want to be distracted by reading. These, these logistical things, of course, in a sense, they're our own sacrifice that we offer. I'm going to, my time, my energy to serve yes. liturgy. That's a sacrifice in itself that we bring to the altar as well, a sacrifice of our time, our energy, even objectively some distraction from spiritually focusing. There is some element of distraction when yeah. you logistically get involved yes. in the Mass. And, um, and the only reason you should be moved to get involved is because, again, I feel like I'm called to genuinely read. I, yes. want, to read, uh, I want to read well, help the people of God pray. The reason I got, I'm not trying to purify my, say that my intentions were great, but I just wanted to focus on the mass. Yeah. But the only reason I, I wanted to serve was because I wanted to see some change to help people pray. Mm -hmm. and this is where mm -hmm. I talk about Beautiful. the server as a mediator between the sanctuary and the laity. Yeah, He's a mediator because the server is, in most cases, the same as the people in the, in the pews. And they're in the sanctuary and they could act as an example to pray, I'll give you. I'll give you an actual empir some empirical evidence. Um, when we started serving, reforming the liturgy at our parish, uh, the use of the hands, eyes, reverence. I've been approached dozens of times by people after mass saying, "Thank you for helping me pray better." I, I saw reverence wow. in there, and that's what really fueled my resolve to keep uh, carrying out the liturgy. Of course, for myself, my own personal reverence, but then, but, but also I know that. It's, it's not a show, but it's not a show in that sense. But I know that I'm there. People are looking at how the servers are carrying themselves because they know we can't be a priest. We can't do what the priest does. Mm -hmm. But the servers are, are a bit of a connection between the laity, people in the pews and, and the sanctuary. And they will look to the servers for the example of how they should carry themselves. We saw people put their hands together, show more reverence. We sh there, there was a, a sociological change in the way people oriented themselves. And it acts as a serious example. And I, I don't take it lightly. I mean... This is fascinating because what, what I'm uh, amazed about here, you're still fairly young. I mean, yeah. you, were, you were born well after <laughs> the Second Vatican Council. So you don't have any sort of, uh, you know, history of, of the old right to the new right. You, don't, you didn't see what happened there. You're born um, into the new right, but uh, you personally were longing for reverence until you witnessed that, you saw that, that drew you in. And I'm just wondering, it's a challenge for many out there who may have thought for the last 50 years to try change things to attract young people. Um, we've got it wrong there, haven't we? We've, we've, we've sort of misinterpreted what the theology of the Mass is. We've changed it to some form of entertainment and we're trying to mix up the music to make it sort of very similar to what you'd, you'd listen to, pop culture, um, trying to change up, uh, you know, even, even sometimes uh, the messaging uh, the everyone's different roles, that even the orientation of the pews and things like that, where it, it's sort of less and less on God, more and more on on each other, and we use we justify it because there is an understanding in the church that we are the mystical body of Christ, we are church, but that is being misinterpreted, and uh, 
the focus has become on us and not God and all of a sudden and we've done this for 50 years and there's no wonder there's you know there's more gray hairs in our new mass than 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 young families um, and unfortunately we're not seeing the growth uh, and now this is in in what I, my observation I think it's it's been in our conversations you've seen yep. um, and and numbers are not going up in the attendance but they're going it's down. about in Australia in Australia it's about 10 to 12 percent of Catholics who attend Sunday Mass. Wow. And so there are statistics. are not attending Sunday yeah. Mass. There's about there's statistics problem, yeah. uh, that say 70 percent of which in those pews do not believe in the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So of the 10 percent that are turning up, you're saying, did you just say 30 percent? 70 percent. So 70 percent don't believe, so 30 percent believe. That's in the United the States 10. and some in Western wow. countries. So this is interesting. Yeah. Um, so has this experiment, we hope we're if wrong. you like. Um, we yeah, hope we hope wrong. we're wrong. We hope we're wrong. Yeah. But uh, it has the experiment, uh, you know, been unsuccessful. You know, um, now going back 50 years and these changes that we've tried to make to attract the young people, we're not seeing it in, in large scales. We, uh, as far as as far as the experimentation is concerned, you know, um, interpretation of, of, of various things. You weren't drawn to the irreverent mass. You were drawn to a more reverent mass. Yep. I'm just fascinated by it. That's all. Uh, and, and now other young people watching this, you know, what is it? Why would you go to Mass? My opinion, and, and this is, so we're just having a conversation here. But, uh, I love your um, opinion, Charbel. But uh, <laughs> if, if I was going to Mass for entertainment, um, you'd be, you'd be um, very disappointed <laughs> because it's not entertaining at all. It's not entertaining. Yeah. In fact, if you don't understand the theology of the Mass, it is quite boring. Yeah, it if is. If you don't understand the theology of the Mass, it, is, it, it does feel like a waste. I don't blame people who are bored at Mass when they don't understand, and you've said it rightly, it's ignorance. And I mean, that's the underlying let's, problem. Let's get, let's get back that to is the education. underlying problem. Uh, look, uh, to get to your question, I think the experiments failed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay. bold about that. Uh, the, the liturgical experimentation, and what is the experiment? The, the, exper the notion... After, in the spirit of Vatican II, mm -hmm. uh, what they call the spirit of Vatican II, which again is debatable and I don't think will be resolved, I think experiment has failed. The idea that if we modernize the mass, this idea of liturgical reform, of reforming the liturgy and not our understanding of the liturgy, mm -hmm. reforming the liturgy itself, making it more appealing and bringing the spirit of the world, thinking that people out there of the world will be attracted if they see some elements of the world in the mass that they go to, they'll be attracted to it more because they're compatible with it, is utterly false. Because as a millennial, as a young person, and speaking to thousands of people mm -hmm. that are young, millennials who grew up, we didn't grow up with the extra own form, who then have discovered their faith, learnt their faith, studied the theology and are catechized sufficiently, uh, would not go to the mass uh, if it was just about entertainment. Yeah. If it's just about entertainment, I have a million better places to go yes. if I want entertainment than going to a Catholic mass. Why would I go to a Catholic mass if it's just simply about oh, my feelings, how I feel, uh, a bit of the world? If there is no identity, no one is going to come. That is very simple. Mm. If we water down our identity, you will not attract young people. You will not attract anybody. Forget about young people. I mean, so many people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s have left the Catholic faith because 
the Catholic Church just watered down a, a, a lot of its practices. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in, in the same sense, Anglicanism experienced yep. this, and that's why we now have the Anglican Ordinaria, and now we have uh, um, Bishop Nazi Ali now being a, a former Anglican um, bishop converted to Catholicism. I mean, it's when you water down your identity, no matter if it's the faith, if it's your business, if it's your character, uh, and you want to try uh, meet someone special, <laughs> if you water down any identity, it becomes less attractive and you will not attract people. That's the simple fact. The evidence to back us up is look at where the numbers are going. Mm. People who've learnt their faith, again, the theology of the mass and the theology of everything else and learning their faith and accepting the teaching of the church, we want to then live our faith. When yes. I learnt my faith and I studied what the Catholic Church taught and I wanted to know, is Catholicism the true religion of God on earth? Mm -hmm. I, I knew after studying apostolic authority and everything else, I knew this was the true faith. And after knowing the true faith, I want to go to mass and experience what I'd studied in my study about the mass. I want to be able to practice what I preach. Now, this is something I like to approach it from a different angle. Practicing what we preach, okay, often refers to the morals, you know, Ten mm -hmm. Commandments. We're Christians, we've got to practice what we preach. Don't kill, don't steal, don't tell lies. But how do we practice what we preach in terms of the dogmatic theology? The Mass, Trinity. Yeah. How do we practice that? And that's part of the Catholic toolbox. In my show, I like to look at every element of the faith, whether it's moral, theological, spiritual, pastoral. Yes. How do I then take action with this? Yes. What are the implications? How do we find practical ways to take action with our faith? Now, the theology, the dogmatic theology about the Trinity as one God, mm -hmm. the dogmatic theology about, um, about the Mass being the sacrifice on Calvary and the fact that the saints are there and the priest is offering the sacrifice to God, just like the Old Testament, and all those things, we need, after we understand what the theology is, I then wanted to go see it at Mass. And it did shock me when I did attend, you know, some parishes and you stand at the Mass and you just wonder, okay, does everyone else actually believe this? Am I the only one who I seem like, I don't know, I'm trying to show reverence? Do people here, including, I mean, sometimes people in the sanctuary, people don't seem like they're acting like they believe this. Do they understand this. the reality of what's going on? on the I want to go to Mass. I want to hear the prayers prayed reverently. I want to see the orientation. I want to see the theology of what we preach, the Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, how we praise, how we believe. I want to see the theology clearly. So much so that we should take someone from several other religions, and I'd love to do this experiment. Uh, uh, someone's Jewish, a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Hindu. Come to a Catholic Mass. Take notes. What can you infer from the 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 um, from the rituals and what's going on? What do you think is our belief? That's a fantastic question, and that's a great experiment. Yeah. And, and and of course, uh, some people argue. Well, okay, we know what the church teaches. We get it. Okay, well, why can't we just modernize a little bit? This is the second problem. We need if we're going to get to heaven, mm -hmm. and we want to grow in holiness and sanctity. The mass and our prayers and our day-to-day -day norms have to condition our spiritual life so that we grow in holiness. It's like an exercise. And you're saying you're going to water down your workout. No, we will do 10 push-ups instead of 20, you know, and that's okay. You don't, don't keep your legs straight or arms straight. Yeah. If you want to grow spiritually, 
You need to be able to go to Mass each day, every Sunday, and condition your spiritual life based on a strong spiritual workout. The Mass is the Mass, whichever right you go to. But you need to be able to see it, what for? To then allow you to grow spiritually. So there's that catechesis with the theology, but it's also, if you understand your catechesis, you know your faith, you need to then be able to, to, to allow it to condition your spiritual life because it makes a difference. If you're going day in, day out, to sometimes liturgy, that's, uh, you, you can't see the reality of what's, what's actually happening. Yes. Uh, um, then that might hinder your spiritual life. Each yeah, person has to discern good. that for themselves. It, you reminded me of, I mean, our just mainstream, just generally yeah. speaking, um, the way we respect other religions and other cultures, uh, interesting. Um, we, we're seeing, you know, things like uh, looking at uh, the Aboriginal spirituality. And it's very common that people would, uh, because it's an ancient uh, spirituality, it's an ancient uh, culture, we have a, a respect for it, generally speaking. Um, and, and so there's, there's a way of looking at it that we don't impose our um, beliefs onto the Aboriginal culture. We have to respect for what it is. And I just wish this was translated to the Catholic Church's understanding of the culture of, of the Mass, where many people seem to have more respect for you know the Jewish or the, the Buddhist or the Hindu or the Aboriginal spirituality and um, at the detriment of their own Catholic exactly. spirituality. It's an and identity to, crisis. Yeah, we've really everywhere. got to rediscover our own roots, our own traditions, our own uh, ancestors, and, 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 and what is it that we're called to? It's something greater than us on earth, isn't it? It's exactly. As you touched on. Again, the, the correct intention to approach this with is, what am I here for? Yep. How did I come here? If there is a God, how am I going to respond to this question? When I die, what happens? If I want to get to heaven, I want to save my soul. Again, Catholic toolbox, we focus on all these things to take action with your faith to aid your salvation. Mm -hmm. Again, this is the, this sometimes in, in the church, we often get distracted with other agendas sometimes, you know, maybe social, and those things are great, you know, sustainability and all these things, but we need to focus on our core mission is the salvation of souls. Mm -hmm. We need to save our souls. And if we're serious about getting to heaven, I, I'd be wanting to pray well. I'd be wanting yeah. to go to mass well. I'd be wanting to participate. It's hard enough, mm -hmm. you know, we, we're in spiritual battle. It's hard enough to condition our spiritual life and grow spiritually to then aid the salvation of our souls. You know, when people see that you need effort to grow in your spiritual life, we won't take lightly how we go to Mass, how we pray our rosary, how we do our mental prayer, our spiritual reading and all these different things. We take them seriously because they're, they're so, the forces of evil are, are quick to overcome us if we don't fight for it. Yes. I mean, when we don't know there's a battle there, um, and look, I, for this booklet, I, I had a vision to really help parishes and to, to create a resource that's simple. I could have written yeah. volumes about liturgy. I love <laughs> liturgy. I mean, my wife sometimes tells me, look, all right, you get it. You know, she <laughs> thinks I'm weird. You know, sometimes I watch different liturgies and uh, I like to, even other rites, you know, Eastern churches being um, of uh, Lebanese parents, mm -hmm. Lebanese migrant parents who uh, I was born a Maronite. I was schooled in the tradition of the Maronites, but. Yeah. I, I do practice the but Roman rite. Yeah, you have a yeah, love for the Roman rite. It's fascinating. Um, I have a love for the Mass, whichever yeah. rite it is. But yeah, the, the rite which I've chosen to practice with ordinarily is, is the Roman rite in, in both its forms. Uh, but I wanted to create a resource, again, as I said, to, to have the server act as a mediator between the people in the pews and their spiritual life 
and, and what's going on in the sanctuary, the liturgical action. And this, I want to create a resource that's simple, that your average parish priest is probably too busy. That's the reality. Mm -hmm. Too busy to sit down, create programs. And, and people don't respond, I think, with, with the catechetical crisis in the church to large volumes of books and ceremonial books. They're mm -hmm. not going to, you can't hand people a bunch of books. So I just wanted to create a simple resource that you, any, anyone can read with their, with their child if they're young or anyone over the age of reason can understand to go through the theology of the Mass is being an altar server right for me, discerning, yes. and then going to the benefits of liturgical service and then top, often forgotten details, the top 10 details. Yeah. Can we um, it fills touch on end. that? Yeah. yeah, it's a great resource. It it's, it's, it's fits in your pocket um, and it gets through quite a bit, under 50 pages. It's fantastic. Um, can we touch, uh, for those out there, we have a crisis... Uh, um, at the moment, not enough uh, boys or yeah. you know, are, are seeing the call to the priesthood. And can we talk about is altar serving then? Just briefly, is it right for me? What what? How do you address that topic? Okay, the way I address it here is, um, I I look I look at several things, which is, uh, and number one point is has this call to assist our Lord during the whole sacrifice of the mass and other liturgies come from a genuine desire to serve Him? So I, I want to weed out intentions of, let's say, seeking attention. I mean, young kids sometimes they just want to get up and do yeah. something. I myself was mm -hmm. there as a young, as a young boy, I used to serve at the school masses. You know, just do something and uh, keep myself entertained. But I think it's the role of the parents. I mean, again, this goes into catechizing parents first to then do all these things. There's a specific order of priority, but I want to weed out intentions because often, yes. you know, in my experience, I've seen younger kids fight during Mass and it's a yeah. solemn high Mass and it's not a great thing. It, it distracts people from praying, the service from praying, the priest from praying and offering the sacrifice. So weeding out different intentions uh, or, and I go into number two, has anyone pressured me uh, or constantly urged me to get involved, quote unquote? Mm. And is, the, is this the reason why I'm con uh, I am considering it? And then I go into, let's say, we'll fast track to number six. Uh, do I have a respect and appreciation for rituals and the importance they have in making divine truths a physical and spiritual reality? Will I be able to respect and carry myself in a reverent way and ensure norms are at play? Wow. So, again, the Mass is a series of rituals which bring about a spiritual reality, without yeah. which if you don't exercise them, the Mass doesn't happen. That's how you know, um, you know, uh, uh, that's the difference between role-playing Mass and actually having Mass. Yes. You need matter, form, and intention. So these questions, where they're discussed, given to the parents of a young child, a young altar boy, um, and discussed with him, will probably weed out those immature intentions. And what I hope to do is either to send you know, someone aspiring to be a server in two directions. One, to say, okay, well, this isn't for me. And, and, and have a, a rather quality than quantity. Not everyone is called to serve. Not everyone call, yeah. is called to yeah. That's okay. Uh, and Or it might change their view and say, hey, you know what? I would like to serve, but I would like to change my intentions. I, I want to go back to the first chapter and say, oh, look, the theology of the Mass. Why don't I read something else or find yes. something else or talk to my parish priest? Can I learn a bit more about the Mass? It's an opportunity for reversion and catechesis here. Yeah, excellent. You know, they want to get involved, they want to do something, but aha, uh -huh, this is your requirement that you, yeah. the parish priest could hand to them. Go through this booklet and let's come back and we'll have a discussion. Mm. Mm. And then are you called or you're not called? Uh, or 
they could head the third way, which is they're not going to serve, but they want to take an interest in their faith. There's three directions yeah, you could take yeah. possibly in that chapter. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it is a great read. It's, 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 it's written for all ages. I mean, young, as you said, as young as someone from the age of reason. So if you had your first Holy Communion, yep. you're ready to go. You yeah, can read exactly. this. If you're in high school, you could read this. And adults could even read this yeah. and rediscover what they've missed. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Can we touch on, and, and this is it in our last sort of section here, um, top 10 forgotten liturgical details. We won't go for all 10, but just, just a couple, just to whet our okay. appetite here. Um, what are some of these forgotten uh, liturgical details? Okay. So I go into my favorite ones are probably hand gestures, okay. eyes, and genuflection. What do you mean? Okay. So hand gestures, the way a server carries themselves, for instance. Uh, I saw a, social, uh, a sociological phenomena in, in imposing on servers to put their hands together all the time and be solemn. What does that do? So what that does is, in the same way we might point up, Mm -hmm. into that direction, oh, we're pointing up to God or we're pointing this way or pointing that way. That then says, okay, I'm pointing this way, I'm pointing that way. It points all the fingers up to God and puts them together. That's the, the theology of, um, of placing our hands together okay. in that prayer posture. We're basically pointing all our fingers to God. We're pointing upwards. Interesting, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the history of it. So by having your hands together reverently, something so simple, which I think I've experienced many times hasn't been done or been taken for granted, made a difference to the people sitting in the pews. They started approaching with reverence. Mm. And that and physical, we're not Gnostics. I mean, physical things condition our spiritual life. I mean, the way we pray or position ourselves helps us to then get our mind together to then pray and grow spiritually. Yeah, I mean, we want results. we got to <laughs> employ all the tactics. So that's a serious example which, sets an, which helps uh, the server the priest and the people attending mass as well. And uh, the eyes, where your eyes are, are probably a very important thing. For instance, if you focus your eyes uh, on what's going on, on this, uh, the altar and the, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ and not look around and bored and, and uh, be distracted, you'll then, uh, a, a server in that sense acts as a mirror. Mm. To, uh, so when people look at them, uh, eventually people look at servers during the Mass. You'll then act as just a mirror to our Lord. You know, they'll look at you and you'll be staring at the Blessed Sacrament and then people will then stare at the Blessed Sacrament mm. and focus in. And, and if you then hold your focus on what's going on on the altar, people then, I've observed a little bit, people then start to look at what's going on when the priest is incensing the gifts, and then you're focusing on, on the actual and you're, you have eyes that are focused and, yeah. and centered on what's going on as if it's something serious going on. Yeah. I mean, in the same sense, uh, you might go to work and you might be in a meeting and you might carry yourself seriously. People take you seriously. If we want to inspire people to pray better at Mass, the server should always have his eyes on what, what's going on and the focus on what's going on to help people, redirect people, it's not just yes. about redirecting people. You redirect yourself. Yes. But inevitably, people notice you. And what you're doing is you're acting in that situation as a mirror to get them to focus on the reality of the mass. Big difference. Big okay. difference. And genuflection, yeah. which is uh, where, I mean, if you go to courts, any court here in Australia, uh, you, you, uh, there's a little genuflection in courts. It's that so reverence. Right. Yeah, so we genuflect our right knee to our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. That's a single genuflection where you, use, you bend your right knee to the ground. Um, 
for a bishop, traditionally, you bend your left knee because he's okay. not our Lord himself. Uh, and a double genuflection is when our Lord's exposed. That's where we're mm -hmm. kneeling and we're kneeling and we completely bow. So simple bows. So in the Roman rite, genuflection is the proper way to pass the Blessed Sacrament or at any point where our Lord is present. So carrying those things out makes an impression upon your psyche yeah. and, and then your spiritual life to then bend your knee to our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But then again, the, the effect on the congregation, it helps yes. the congregation to pray. Fantastic. Loving this. Um, I wish we could stay uh, all afternoon doing this. <laughs> um, but people just have to get, the, get this booklet. This is the booklet. Uh, the Service Toolbox, a Spiritual and Ritual Guide to Serving the Liturgy. Um, Love it. Uh, just to make one reminder for me is, and the question, um, and as I invite you to final thoughts, but I, I certainly have learnt already going to Mass. Am I going to Mass just to gather and catch up with friends? And, and, and there is this coming together and there's a focus on us, um, but we can do this in other settings. It doesn't have to be inside. Uh, you can have a mass. better party. You know? Yeah, just you can have, have gatherings, barbecues. Uh, RSL clubs, and yeah. there's all these places where we can go and gather and catch up and have conversations or even directly after Mass, you can have a cup of coffee and, and, and that's yeah. great. Um, we seem to have put all our eggs in this one basket. Uh, one hour on Sunday is the one hour set aside to catch up with our friends and it's all in that 9 to 10 time which, which, frame. Which gets into uh, the liturgy. And, yeah, and it, it's often. sort of, yeah, it's all crept in and now the liturgy is now filled with all these little you know, greetings with each other and, and, and all of a sudden the focus is not on God, it's on each other and there's a time and place, isn't it? It's set exactly. apart. So you go into Mass to sort of switch off from the world for a moment, enter into heaven, focus on God, the Holy Trinity, the angels and the saints, and then once you're finished, then you can catch up with your family and friends. But, but yeah, there's a time and place. And just this is a great reminder, this booklet really helps uh, deepen your understanding and appreciation of that. Can I ask you, invite you for any final thoughts? Um, just, um, you know, who should be getting this and any, any sort of closing statement? I think uh, the bulk of who should be getting this in order would probably be parishes mm -hmm. to easily create this as sort of like the requirement for, for a serving. You want to serve? Okay. Here's a little booklet. If you're too young, read it with your parents. Over the age of reason, you'll understand it. Second of all, people who... Uh, uh, serving acolytes, um, different people uh, can get a hold of this, and even parents or uh, prospective parents who would like to foster a vocation to the priesthood for their son, yeah. or at least uh, foster looking at a vocation. Okay. Everybody should at one point say, "Please ask the question." Ask the question. Mm. Have a look. Discern. Everyone should. Do, every male should discern by default at some point in their life. So this, and I dedicated this to. Um, to all servers, acolytes, and discerning seminarians. Okay. Because I think the liturgy has been, on a cultural level, the gateway to producing vocations to the priesthood. So I think everybody can get a copy of this. It's um, in the United States, it's probably not even a cup of coffee. In Australia, here, oh, yeah, it's only a few uh, dollars, we're, uh, we're almost physical. at $5 for a cup of coffee now. So it's just one cup of coffee. And, yes. um, and uh, uh, this is a great resource uh, that I was inspired to. To, to generally help parishes to, yeah, to create fantastic. a better serving culture, which and you'll see the spiritual fruits of that very soon after. Brilliant. Finally, uh, how do people get in touch with you, uh, your website or, or um, ways of reaching out to... Okay. If you want to reach out to the Catholic Toolbox, 
uh, you can go to our website on thecatholictoolboxshow.com. That is thecatholictoolboxshow.com. Uh, you can get a copy of my other book, The Art of Practical Catholicism. And if you want to reach out to me personally uh, to book me in for speaking or any other opportunity, you can go to thecatholictoolbox at gmail.com. So it's thecatholictoolbox at gmail.com. And we'll get back to you within, within the day. We'll respond yeah, to man. you. And uh, if we can aid you in any way, uh, live off air, the Toolbox Show, uh, we can aid you in any way for practical strategies or a bit of a consultation. I'm happy to do that. Happy Fantastic. to be of service. Oh, well done. Well, don't forget, get to uh, that website and also sign up and subscribe to the, the Catholic Toolbox um, and, the, and the weekly podcasts and shows that they have there and articles. Thank you uh, for joining. And, and just Thank a reminder to all those watching, um, get your copy uh, on alt for altar service. Uh, it's only less than $5.00. Um, available at perusiamedia.com, available worldwide, both in the physical form and digital. And of course, don't forget George's original book, The Art of Practical Catholicism. And this is um, a fantastic book that we launched uh, less than a year ago now. And that is, is an excellent guide to your Catholic faith. And I am looking forward to part two of this sometime soon. George, thank you again for joining us. Thank God you bless you. Me. God bless you too. All right. That's another um, Perusia podcast. I'm Shabarez, your host. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to the Perusia Podcast. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please share with your family and friends. And for more information about everything Perusia, please visit our website at perusiamedia.com.